Welcome to this week's podcast. On today's program, we have a compilation of several different guests I've interviewed before. Faith stories, and I'm sure they will give you a faith lift. My first guest is my favourite guest, my wife, Killy John. Generations of Christians, missionaries, evangelists, <laughs> and you're brought up as a Christian. But then you, in your student years, you wavered. Tell us about that time. Yes. I mean, actually, one of the things that I did do was I vowed I'd never marry a minister or anything like that. So um, so that's perhaps for another time, another story. But um, yes, so I was brought up as a Christian in a loving Christian home. Um, but I was very good at RE because my father was a, a vicar. So, um, so that meant I took it all the way to A-level. And of course, then it becomes, the Bible became more of a textbook than an actual book to read for transformation. And um, so I think probably when I was about that sort of age, 16, 17, um, yeah, my faith became sort of head knowledge rather than heart knowledge. And um, I did have a few years of uh, wandering around. Yeah, pretty unhappy to be honest. <laughs> wandering around in the wilderness. Wandering around in the wilderness, well at Cheltenham. <laughs> so. When you were at college, yeah. okay, and you were at that time studying training in I, what? I, I studied in hotel management, so I was doing a course in hotel management. So. But then tell us, your one summer you're in Cambridge, you're running a coffee shop <laughs> yeah. and a mission takes place. Tell us about that. Shall I tell? Okay, yes. Yeah, so, so um, basically, my father, who loved me very much and thought I could do anything, I was home from college and he said, why don't you just set up a coffee shop? Because obviously I was doing hotel management. So I thought, well, actually, not a bad idea. So we had the, he was, it was right in the city centre. So we, um, a friend and I set up a coffee shop and uh, Margaret and um, we had to share the premises with the overseas mission that was going on. So students, overseas students flocked to Cambridge to, hear, to learn English. Mm. And uh, so the churches all got together and they would reach out to them basically with a lunch bar and a coffee, coffee place in the evening. And um, so I had to hand the keys over. And the first thing was, I thought, I can't believe it. This is students my age who give up their summer holidays to come and tell people about Jesus. And I think that was the first thing that really spoke to me that these people, you know, that students would do this. And, um, and then the second thing was I got chatting to the leader of the uh, team and um, we had some very interesting conversations about um, life and the path you're on and where you're going, which of course I knew because I'd had that Christian heritage, I knew a lot of it and I was very dismissive. And he kept inviting me saying, would you like to come and, you know, come to one of the evening things? And um, I kept saying, no, 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 but he was very persistent. And so I ended up, in fact, I'd go home, bake cakes and all that sort of thing, iron the tablecloth, 
um, and then sit down with my mum and watch a bit of TV. But uh, that night I said, Mum, I'm going to go to this meeting. And I literally just went to this uh, coffee bar that was happening in the evening. And um, everything spoke to me. It was like, I mean, now I know it was the Holy Spirit, but it was like the drama was like my life <laughs> being laid out before me. And, um, and so it was amazing, really. And I was the first person to go forward. And then I always say that the leader followed me up because it was you. <laughs> it was, I was privileged to help you rediscover the wonder of God's grace. That's and right. yes, I did follow you up. I wrote you um, epistles, yes, letters to encourage you as you went back to college. It was pre-mobile phones. So yeah, yeah. So we had lots of um, letters and phone calls in the phone box, so uh, yeah. It's great to hear Killy talking with J. John about her faith story. Next up, we've got Mark Greenwood sharing his. And you've known the Lord for how long? Oh gosh, it was 1982. And what happened to you? So I'd been grounded, John, for about six weeks. I've been a naughty boy. And uh, in the middle of that grounding, uh, a gentleman came and knocked on the door of our home. My dad opened at the door. There's this guy called Brian, who had only five or six days previous become a Christian himself. He's got a big smile on his face. And this is what happened. He went like this. What do you think about life after death? Which is a bit freaky, isn't it, really? But that was such a powerful question because my dad, his best friend had died at sea a couple of years previous. My dad was a, an atheist. But he asked himself the question in that moment or, or made a statement, there has to be more to life than this. So that was a really poignant question. Wow. Set us on a journey. He looked like he had what, something. Your, your whole family? Whole family. Whole family. And within six weeks, so we'd all become Christians. So your dad took it seriously? My dad took it seriously, as did my mum. My sister and my brother and myself, we became Christians over a sort of four, five, six week period. And the then, whole and family? The whole family. Because someone knocked on the door. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing is, John... And a young Christian. Young Christian. He'd only been a Christian six days. And here's the interesting thing. He'd been out with the senior minister of the church who'd been doing all the door knocking. Yeah. And it had been a tough night at the office. They'd had a lot of doors shut. And Godfrey said, should we just go home? Brian said, no, let's do one more. And let me knock the door. Oh, and that was his first that door? That was his first door. Let me do one more. Do you remember... That film, was it Hacksaw Ridge? Yes. Just one more. Just one more. Just one, one more. more. Let, let's do one more. And Brian knocked the door and God was at work behind that door. That is incredible. What a story. It's incredible, isn't it? Did you meet Brian subsequently? No. 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 Never but met him he before. was the person mm. that basically kick-started your journey of yeah. faith. What an amazing story from Mark Greenwood. Well, now let's hear from Sheldon Thomas as he shares his faith story. When would you say that you were born again and you experienced a transformation? When did that happen? I would say in 1989 when the last gang member got shot 57 times. Um, I had been shot at myself so much time, but the, the, the significant one was the guy who got his head, blown, his head blown off right next to me and he had a hole in his head. That was a traumatic experience because up until then, I hadn't seen murders. My friends all died when I wasn't there. 
So I had only experienced people shooting at me, but I had not seen a murder. I had hurt people, tortured people, broken limbs. I'd done all of that, but I had not murdered anyone. So I began to seek the help of an MP. He was called Bernie Grant. Yes. Um, just that's right. He was the Labour MP. He was the Labour MP in for Tottenham. Yeah, for yeah, Tottenham. That's right. So I began to engage with him to, to figure out a way to get out of this gangster lifestyle. And then he met up with Diane Abbott, and so Diane Abbott was the MP for Hackney. Um, and so basically, they then took me to America to meet up with a man called Jesse Jackson. Yes. And so when I met up with Jesse Jackson, because at that time, the National Black Caucus was really a big organisation in America. Um, and so I met up with Jesse Jackson and I would say that was the first time that he, somebody had spoken to me about the plan God has for my life. Because up until then, I wasn't a born again Christian. I was religious. Yes. Don't commit crime on a Sunday. Don't use women. Don't. I was about like that. So it's a bit like the Old Testament. I was a bit law. So um, he began, basically what he'd done was he began to show me how to look inward because I didn't even know how to look inward and he was showing me that God don't look at the exterior yes. and he was showing and, it, it, and if you listen to Jesse Jackson he didn't come across like how Christians are now where they're trying to kind of maybe force a message down he did it in such a yes. way that was relative to me yes. as a young black man and as a very angry black man. He did it in such a way where he drew concepts. Like, so he said to me, um, he, he used this analogy. He said, how many black men have you seen hung from a tree? So I said, I've never seen any apart from in the roots. He said, he grew up seeing that. Yeah. And he said, he could have gone the way of the gangs, but he chose the way of Christ. And I said, to him, so I'm like, but why would you choose the way of Christ? Because he said, it's, it's, it's easy to be angry, but it's harder to love. Because he was showing me different concepts. So I was like, wow. So he was like, and the way he broke certain things down made me begin to self-reflect yeah. a little bit more. Because he actually was showing me, racism exists in your mind but racism doesn't have to control your destiny. Very good. And so he began to break down that he's not, he did not allow racism, even though he suffered racism badly, he didn't allow it because he believed in God and the power of God. But obviously from there, that's when I began to think differently. An amazing story from Sheldon Thomas. And next up, let's hear from Mike Pilavachi about his faith story. Growing up, did you have any faith no, no, I was an atheist because my parents were Greek Orthodox atheists. And uh, I remember... Yeah, so your parents, Greek Orthodox in terms of culture, yeah. culturally, but had no f belief in God at no, all? No, they were very... Because they saw what they saw as the corruption of the church in Cyprus, which yes. is where our ancestors come from. And so they were anti-church, anti-religion. They were, science is the future. They escaped from all that superstition coming to England as they saw it. And when I was 14, I wrote an essay in my English class and the title was, Why I Am Not a Christian. And it's God's sense of humor. Just over a year later, I became a Christian. 
And how, what, what were the things that led up to it? How did you have this epiphany? Well, I think looking back, the reason I wrote the essay was because I was searching. And uh, I started looking at all sorts of things, new age stuff. Um, I kept going to the library because I wasn't happy with my life. And I was just trying to find something. And then there were these two guys in, at school, in my class at school. They were normal, they were fun, they weren't weird, but they were kind. And they cottoned on that I was searching for something. And when the, the cross was explained to me, I personally never needed much convincing that I was a sinner. But when I heard the good news that he loved me and that he paid for my sin and he made the way back, I understood it completely. And I remember it was the 15th of January. I went up to Barn Hill, which was a, a, um, a, a hill near, near where I lived in, in Harrow, Wembley. And I went with a little booklet called Becoming a Christian by John Stott. Yes, I know And I'd it. read it before. Yeah. And I'd read Journey into Life by Norman Warren. And then there was a little prayer at the end and I prepared. I knew what I was doing. I went there, I knelt on the wet grass and I said the prayer at the bottom of the booklet. And I got up and I didn't feel any different, but I knew that from when I knelt down to when I got up, my life had completely yes. changed. Yeah. And that, that was it really. Great story from Mike Pilavacci. As we continue today's episode about faith stories, let's now hear from Paul Jones and Fiona Hendley-Jones as they share their faith story. So you both go, yeah. you hear Luis Palau, uh, just an inc I knew Luis, he's promoted to glory now. Yeah. Tell us what happens. Okay, so we're sitting there and he just preaches the gospel brilliantly. And he, he finishes telling us the entire gospel about how Jesus came for one sole purpose was for us, that we may have eternal life and that we may know him and have an intimate, loving relationship with him. And then he said, would you like to know this Jesus? And I remember him saying, he's knocking on the door of your heart. Are you going to pretend you're not in? He said, I'm going to pray a prayer for you now. And he said, I want you to come down. And he said, if you come down here in front of the, where we are now, onto the, you know, where the, the grass is, he said, you can receive Jesus Christ into your heart right now. He'll come right now. He loves you. He's, he, he wants to forgive you. Well, I mean, I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. I just jumped up. I just, and I wasn't like that at all but I had to get down there, I had to pray this prayer. My eyes were pricked with tears, I, had, I was choked, and I got up and I started to walk towards the front and Paul grabbed hold of my arm, didn't you? Scaredy cat. Yes. Grabbed hold of her arm, I'm not going down there. Well, I said to her, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm doing what he just said. <laughs> I said, great, where am I sleeping tonight? We were living together. But he didn't say anything no, about that. It no. was like God had pierced your heart about I, that. Yeah, well, I mean, I knew for some reason, whether it was something I'd heard before yeah. or whatever, no. I just knew what I'd just heard. I know. So um, you said, well, if Fiona's going to go down there, yeah. where am I going to Where am I sleeping tonight? tonight? Yeah, so I, have I got to go and find a, a hotel or something? So uh, she said, we don't even need to worry about things like that. That will sort itself. We would be mad 
not to accept this wonderful future while it's right here in front of us. <clears throat> and I said, great. Well, will you marry me then? So you proposed I proposed to her just in, at in that the moment yeah. when you were going to go down. Yes. Yeah. yes. And then you responded. I, it was almost as if we were looking at each other and this sort of time was going by and I was just looking at, at and you know, I'd come from this broken home and I had decided I'd never ever in my life get married. Why would I get married? What's the point of it? But I knew I loved this man. But the most important thing, John, is that here we were in the presence of the Lord. Mm. I just heard the gospel. We just heard the gospel. We just heard that if we come to our Lord Jesus, the Father in heaven's going to look after us. It's going to be different. And suddenly all the fears of what my lovely mum went through and the divorce and the unhappy marriages suddenly just left me. And I thought it's going to be all right. Praise God. And I just looked at Paul and I just went, yes, 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 I'll marry you. Yes, I'll marry you. So we both burst into tears at that point. And by then, Luis had just begun the prayer, so we, we couldn't move. And we began to pray the prayer to receive Jesus into our hearts right there and then, where we were seated, still up in the bleachers. Um, and we just, we wept with joy. We felt so clean. Mm. When you said, Jesus, come into my heart, fill me, forgive me. I, I turn fully away from this darkness and my selfish way of living and I turn fully to you, Lord. There's just this cleansing that he does, isn't there? And we just left that stadium, tears, laughter. Liberated. Yes. Or, or as the hymn writer put it, ransomed, healed, healed restored, restored, forgiven. forgiven. Yes. Who like me, his praise should, should sing. sing. Absolutely. Yeah. It was just the most wonderful thing and we knew we were starting our lives aright. Yes, and we walked out of that stadium and we walked to the place where we were to have dinner with Cliff Richard yeah. and Louise Falau. Yes. He was oh, there. You, did you know that? No. no. And Can you imagine how that felt for us? The man who'd brought us the gospel message that night that we just got saved was there. That was so precious to us. Well, now let's hear from Celia Appy AJ Collins as she shares her faith story. Where were you born, Celia? I was born in Accra, Ghana, West Africa. And you grew up there? I grew up there for now, 20 something years. And I recall a story where you drove your mother to church but you then began to drive back home because you wanted to go to the beach. And on the way back home, a voice spoke to you. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. A voice spoke to me. I stopped at the traffic light and I, I thought I heard a voice say, if you go to the beach, you're not gonna come back alive because you walked away from God's presence. So I remember rushing home and it was like a church where you couldn't have makeup on, you couldn't have um, um, your hair without the covering. So I went, I put a scarf on, I took the nail polish off, wiped the makeup off my face and I just rushed there. Uh, and, and that was the beginning of an adventure with God because I, I, nothing particularly happened on the day. I was just so scared. I left a message from my friend saying, listen, when my friends come, just tell them I'm not going to the beach, I've gone to church. And then I remember Sometime after that, I was just in my room. I just developed a, a desire to read God's word. And then one day I felt like writing down my sins. And I remember writing down 21 sins. 
looking back now, I think I, I know that was a salvation experience because there's no way I would have written those things down. So when you first heard the voice, Celia, were, were you quite disturbed? I was scared. Scared? Yes. And it was... It, it, it wasn't a loud voice. I think, to me, it was a loud voice because I thought I heard it in my ear. It's just this, this presence, this voice that wasn't outside but in. And then years later, um, you were in ministry and um, your church sent you back to Ghana yeah. to pastor a church. And there, were only, and there were only a few, few people then, weren't there? Well, there wasn't anybody. Nobody? Nobody. I started from zero because I was church planting. So I was stunned by the Kiliwili as a, as a fried plantain seller and I'd preach the gospel. Amazing. And I'd invite people. You know when you're full of zeal, you don't have time to think of embarrassment, rejection. You don't. You're just full of love for God. Absolutely. This morning I prayed. I said, God, give me back that passion. Give me back that zeal. I want it. I want to be so in love with you. I don't care about anything else but pleasing you. And that's what's the spirit that drove me. Well, that's a great faith story from Celia Appiej Collins. Well, next, we'll be hearing from Gavin Calver as he shares his faith story. Now, your parents... Um, emigrated to America for ministry and um, you were 17 but decided not to go and then at your 18th birthday you had a few drinks. Mm. Tell us about that and then tell us what happened the day after. Yeah it was a bit a bonkers season. I'm 17 years old and at that point Jesus is an auntie figure. Someone I know exists but I don't really like hanging out with. So you kind of, he's part of my life but not massively. My parents say they're emigrating to run the American Tear Fund the equivalent. Yes. I tell him if a loving God wants to split the family, he can stuff himself. Didn't quite put it like that. They emigrated. For six to nine months, I messed about. I don't need to glorify that or no. talk about it, but six to nine months, I wish I could didn't do. Yes. Then my 18th birthday party, I attempted something very foolish in the amount of alcohol you could drink. And I basically was had poisoning. My best friend, who I was banned from Sunday school with, who to this day has not been in a church building except for my wedding, he, he woke up on the hour every hour to check I was okay cleared some vomit from my mouth at times, yes. it was quite scary. The next morning I woke up and I thought, hang on, this is all a bit serious. And I went and sat on a park bench in Mayo Park in Forest Hill, South London. No one was there, there was no mood music, nothing like that, there was no gospel appeal. And I just cried out to the Lord. And I said, I've tried everything else, none of this works. It's you, you're the meaning behind the universe. And on this park bench, I surrendered my life to Jesus, there and then. And then I prayed something really dangerous. I said, Lord, I will go wherever, whenever, and whatever for you. Yes. And that's led me to doing loads of jobs I never wanted to do, and a journey of an adventure that's different. But for me, I'm all or nothing. And it was that point I realised I was all in for Jesus. And my life has been completely different ever since. Ever since that ever day. Ever since. Chris Candia, tell us about your own personal journey of faith. Well, when I was 15, a lad stood up in our chemistry lab, which was where we used to have our uh, register at the beginning of the day. And the teacher had nipped out for a quick smoke, leaving 30 teenage boys yes. in charge of a chemistry lab, which is a terrible idea. People were trying to suck the gas out of the gas taps and light it and do fire breathing. And then this lad stood up and said, look, last night something amazing happened to me. I became a friend of God. And if you want to know anything about it, come and talk to me. 
And so I thought that was the bravest thing I'd ever seen anyone do. And, and that obviously transformed you. It did, yeah, totally. I started a journey, I became like more than just a church guy, I became a follower of Jesus. Uh, we stayed in touch. I actually helped his wife become a Christian um, at sixth form. And then he's now a pastor up in Hull doing great stuff. And I do what I can with vulnerable children. Well, our final faith story today comes from Ian McDowell as he talks to Jay John. What happened, Ian? How did you encounter Jesus? And how well, I was never you... a Christian fellow, but I started having crazy dreams about God. They were like nightmares, and God was coming out of the sky, and it was like lightning, and I was just waking up in a ball of sweat, and, um, uh, and I couldn't get this out of my mind. And uh, I remember uh, being involved in a fight in a nightclub. Um, I got squirted with ammonia in my face, and a friend of mine had a pickaxe handle smashed across his head. He ended up in hospital. I ended up in hospital. He had operations on his head. This fella ended up going to church um, some months after. He had partial sight in his eye. He, had, he couldn't hear out of his ear, and he had a, a, a jaw that was dislodged. And me and this guy were doing debt collecting together. We were working on the door together. He, it, there was all sorts of guns and different things involved back in those. He, he, this guy was a nasty fellow at the time. And um, uh, he went to this church called Kensington Temple in Notting Hill Gate. Yeah, I know it, yes. Uh, you know it, yeah. And uh, he, he got prayed for and he got instantly healed. Um, and he's phoning up, Ian, Ian, Jesus has healed me. Amazing. And I, well, Like his jaw got healed. His jaw got healed, his eyesight came back and his ear opened up. Amazing. And the, the, the doctors, the surgeons have said, you know, they probably were never going to hear and see properly again. And he got instantly healed. And um, there was an American preacher there, um, Charles uh, Slagle, I think his name was. He had like yeah. a, a prophetic ministry or something like that. But he, the, the, he literally spoke over him, um, told him. I mean, and he's running around telling everyone Jesus has healed me. Now, I didn't think there was a God. And I, I thought to myself, well, if there's a God, he doesn't heal people. But if he heals people, why would he heal someone like him? And I couldn't get all this out of my mind. I remember thinking about the dreams, thinking about him, thinking about God. And I'm driving home one night. I'm sitting in my car. I've got, I'm out on bail. I've got a prison sentence of seven years potentially hanging over my head. I've just been involved in another fight. And I just sat in the car and I thought to myself, God, if you're real, can you help someone like me? If you're there, could you sort me out? And suddenly I felt guilty for the fight I'd just been involved in. I remember feeling overwhelmed with guilt. And I said, Lord, if you're, if, if you're real, if, that is, if you're there and you go, uh, for, forgive me for what I've just done. Forgive me for what I am. And I suddenly just broke down. I just remember feeling like I was being loved. I felt tears in my eyes. I remember thinking, wow, you know, God is real. I felt for a while like I'd been plugged into some electricity. It was like running through me. And um, I had this incredible miracle. I went home and I fell asleep. So I hadn't slept properly. I mean, I felt this darkness lift from me, the fear lift from me, the paranoia lift me, and I fell asleep like a baby for like 12 hours. I hadn't slept for weeks. I got up and I thought, wow, there really is a God. But what do I do about that? I know, so you knew you had this encounter with God, and uh, so what was the next stage <laughs> step? Well, I, 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 start, I, mean, I spoke, spoke to my pal who got healed and he was going to a church in Canning Town. They were happy at night, 10 o'clock in the morning, waving flags and singing about Jesus. And uh, I didn't really, I did, I'd never read a Bible before. I didn't know what was going on. But um, 
I started to fall in love with Jesus. So I started to go there. Um, I bought a Bible. I didn't know how to read the Bible. Where did you start with the Bible? Someone advised me to start reading the Gospels. As I started reading the Gospels, I just fell more and more in love with Jesus. I couldn't, I didn't feel totally like I, I was connecting with the Christians around me because I'm coming from a different world, I've got to be honest. But I could connect with Jesus Christ at that time. And, uh, and then he started to change me, which made me start to think different about the church. At first, I was a bit not sure about the music, but now I just fell in love with worshipping God. And, um, and love wants to give, doesn't it? I knew what Absolutely. lust was. Lust takes, love gives. And I just remember feeling, I've got to do something. And I started to help in their youth clubs. And then they started asking me to tell my story. And that's how things changed. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www.canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. Many people have many questions about Jesus. Who was he? What did Jesus teach? Why was it necessary for Jesus to die on the cross? Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? What is it that Jesus can offer us today? How do we know that Jesus Christ is the truth? If you want to know what Jesus said, why he said it, and how we know he's the truth, pick up a copy of Jesus Christ, the truth. Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com.